What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Say my, my thing yet. It's your boy Jonathan Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, that rustling you hear in the background is uh, you know him as Shwini Poo, uh, Ashwin Ramnath of Posting and Toasting. I'm assuming he's like rolling around in his bed. That's uh, exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I, you could be joking. It wouldn't surprise me. You could be serious. I. I um, I don't know. No, I'm, I'm being dead serious. Okay. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm, I, uh, that makes me happy, and um, it makes me um, uh, reminisce maybe a little bit about the days where I could, I could do such a thing as late as, what is it, 8.35 in the morning on a Saturday? Mm-hmm. Um, but those days ended, uh, let's see, how old is my daughter? About two years and eight months ago. So, yeah. That's tough. It's a tough, you know, it's a tough beat. It's a tough yeah. beat, but it, it happens, um, as I said, to the best of us. Um, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm just, you know, relaxing in my bed. <laughs> as, as we've established. <laughs> um, so we, uh, this is a long time coming. My Skype tells me that the last one of these that we did was five months ago, which is oh. too long for us to do. I know. It's, it's, it seems more recent, but it is a while ago. It's been um, a minute. Yeah, um, and the the impetus for for this podcast was we were going back and forth yesterday. Um, well, not really going back and forth. I made a statement, and you called me um, some some uh, variation of a fucking idiot. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think so. That's accurate. I think it's, it's <laughs> accurate. And you know what? I'll, I'll, I have conviction in most of what I say, and I had conviction in, in this, which we'll get to in a second. But the difference is like. Usually, when I'll when I'll make a point, I'll know that at the very least I'm, I might not be right, but I'm not wrong. And this point, I was fully understanding of the fact that um, I could be very wrong on this, and it could be a very stupid point. Um, so the point was that I think uh, Tommy Beer tweeted out that the Knicks should make every effort to sign both Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson this summer. Um, even though they're both uh, ostensibly not going to play basketball next year. And I was like, this is the best non-Kawhi-related scenario uh, that could happen to the Knicks this summer. Um, and and you were like, that that's that's very stupid. Um, so let, I'm going to actually give you the floor first. So why, why do you think that the – this is the obvious point, but why do you think this is very stupid? I just don't – I mean, why why do we need to why do we want to sink basically all of our cap flexibility for the next four years? Uh, so we'd essentially be I think like what sixty five percent of the cap uh, into two guys who are coming off of literally the worst possible injury, like the two worst possible injuries you can suffer as a basketball player. Um, yeah, other than, like, big men foot injuries, I would agree with you. These are the two worst injuries you could suffer. Yeah, yeah, for perimeter guys, anyway. Yeah. Exactly. And then, um, and they're heading into their 30s. Like, Durant is already 31. Uh, and He'll be 32 by the time he, he plays another basketball game. Again, I mean, we don't, again, we don't know that for a fact, but... Uh, Most likely. Yeah. Most likely. Yeah, in all likelihood. Uh, and, and Clay will be 30. He'll yeah. probably come back at some point towards the end of next year or something. Um, but, like... Yeah, and then so you're you're basically not getting you're going to sign them to four year deals in this hypothetical. Uh, you're not going to get one of those. You're literally going to pay them one year's worth of salary to not play in rehab, um, and then they're going to come back 
in like I mean all likelihood their second year they won't be fully recovered um I mean like Gordon Hayward suffered a, a less severe injury and he needed well, I mean, we saw him have like five point games in the playoffs, which was uh, what seven, eight, eighteen months removed from his initial injury. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And to my knowledge, it's like a, it's. I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I can't say. But let's even say it's the it's the it's as severe as either of these injuries. Like that should give you pause. So basically, like you could argue that half of the contract you're going to give out, these guys are going to be either rehabbing or like knocking the rust off. And then you have two years left, and like at that point, they're at ages <laughs> where you expect decline. Like Durant is probably—I mean, look—he he was amazing still this year. Obviously, I'm not, I'm not arguing that he wasn't, but he was also slightly like—I mean, he is in decline. If you actually just look at his numbers, like there's less productivity overall. And like, yeah, but some of that is just being on a team. Yeah, that's I was about to say super stacked. Can we? Can we really? make that conclusion on, on this particular team? I don't know. That's I, I haven't, like, done, like, a deep dive into his numbers, but I think at 31, like, you're entering a point where, I mean, he, he's definitely not close to, like, the defensive. Even, like, when he gives effort defensively, I don't think he's anywhere near the impact defender he was, like, <laughs> three years ago or whatever, when he first, when he was, you know, towards the end at OKC and his first year or first couple of years in Golden State, I think it was his his defense has like he's not bad. He's obviously I mean he'd be probably our fucking best defender. Um, but, <laughs> well, Moutier, you know, he did show signs. Well, he showed real signs there towards the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he showed signs. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I had... never again. Um, anyway, but yeah, I, I just don't think he like he can dial it up as consistently all the time. That's that's and it, and plus that is um, I would think it's fair to say um, not that defense is like the first thing that goes but just like in the I mean, end it's easier to conserve energy on defense than it is on offense it and and look I mean all you have to do is look at um, LeBron who I I think you could argue at his peak LeBron was maybe the most versatile defender uh, ever if not the best because I think people sometimes maybe give him too much credit but like. You know, we see how much he conserves energy on that, and 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 there's honestly real questions also now about um, even when he ramps it up, is is LeBron able to hit those defensive ceilings or that defensive ceiling? Granted, he's played more years than Durant, but it's more than fair to question um, what the defensive uh, capabilities will be for both guys when they when they come back. So that's fair. Yeah, and like at least in Durant's case, you know, you're talking about a guy that at worst is like a top three player and then in the league right now um so like okay even if he comes back as 90 percent of the player whatever it is whatever that percentage is um like there's a chance he's still a top 10 player in the league so like he's still like at a very very high level um with clay and like i think this is something that happens all the time with clay where like like he he has these games that are just crazy like not even games like he'll have like these runs of games like three or four games in a row where he's just so absurdly hot from deep that like at that like when he's shooting like that like he was in the finals he looks like i mean he is probably top five player but like that's not what he is all the time i mean you just look at his numbers like that's not what he is all the time and his entire game is like he's an awesome three-point shooter um off the move like it's not just like that he's standing in a corner he's not Danny Green right like he, he's like he's taking crazy ridiculous threes he's, like, he's JJ Redick on steroids and obviously a much better defender at the other end right and he's also yeah. a much better defender but like again you like any I think if you've watched Golden State like yeah again some of this is there I mean he's been there what through this entire run so that's like five consecutive runs to the finals like so there's probably some fatigue and just general wariness that goes on and like you know you can i mean it probably gets sometimes especially in the regular season i'm sure like these guys just get bored they're like oh man i don't really want to try today um i think that's totally part of it but like i mean his defense 
did slip a little bit this year, and I know he had a really good series up until his injury against Kawhi and stuff. So, like, obviously when he dials it up, he still has that. But can he dial that up consistently still? Um, like, if it's him and Durant, like, you need those two guys to be able to to carry you through a regular season. Like, do they – can they do that and then still have the juice to make a deep playoff run? I don't know. Um, are you going to be having to, like, do the whole load management thing with them? Probably. Uh, almost certainly with Durant anyway. And then, like, then you're banking entirely on your – young guys or you trade for to like <laughs> to to carry a large part of the load and just to go back to clay really quickly i don't i'm actually not worried at all about him his pure shooting ability like i think that's just there and <clears throat> i mean whether he tears towards acl or not that that, that was never leaving uh what i question is like okay you tear your acl now when you come back are you like are you going to be as good at cutting and moving off the ball, like quickly catching, gathering and shooting like in, in one motion that nobody can stop? Are you going to have the lateral quickness you had to stay in front of like, you know, so many different types of guards and wings defensively? I think though, like, and, and if he has any slippage in those areas, like his contract is just going to be like terrible. It's going to be bad. And it's not because he's going to be a bad player, but it's like you're talking about a guy that really is probably like what top, I mean, he didn't make all NBA this year, and I know that became some he, yeah, he was, huge controversy for some reason. Well, I don't like, think it was, I think it was more the fact that when when he was uh, told by a reporter he hadn't heard it yet, and his um, his reaction was kind of priceless because he was basically like, "Well, I, 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 I totally get his reaction." Yeah, but like, a lot I, of I don't think like, he should have made all NBA. By the way, no, I think he was close, but no, no, I don't, I don't either because it's a regular season award. Yeah, <clears throat> but anyway, you're talking about a guy that's like a top 15-ish player. Yeah. So, like, if he slips, what is he, like, top 25 player? I mean, is that – that's what we want to, like, tie – like, so we're ba- banking on two guys recovering from two horrific injuries, um, heading into, you know, what is generally considered decline years, and them making recoveries that leaves them still as, like – like, basically as – lesser versions of what they were which are still really good nba players but like what do you, you're not winning shit with that you're not you're just not gonna win anything with that i'm sorry so i'll i'll, I'll admit um hearing hearing your argument um it does make it go, it does give me pause for this very simple reason um well i still think that there are a lot of positives to the to this theoretical which we should say by the way um, is almost certainly not going to happen because uh, uh, Clay's dad, uh, Mikhail Thompson, former number one overall pick, played a lot of good years in the NBA, came out yesterday and I think he, I don't know what his exact words were, but he basically said, um, we will absolutely be re-signing with, with Golden State this summer. Again, crazier things have happened, but it, the odds that this is this scenario is actually on the table is, is uh, are <laughs> low, to say the least. Um, but hearing you talk about it, I think... Um, I'm realizing that the ceiling is maybe, let me rephrase that more like for the ceiling to be as high as it would need to be to, for them to actually win a championship. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure that it would be worth that it would would be worth the risk. I mean, you need R.J. Barrett to like come. That's exa- I, you t- literally took piece. the words out of my mouth. You need R.J. Barrett to be one of your one of the guys who could be a top three player on a championship team. And I hate I hate grouping guys as like first banana, second <laughs> banana, third banana because like um, on the seventy uh, three win Warriors, like who was like technically the second banana on that team? I guess you'd say it was Draymond, but like it he's such like a, a weird you know, player. It's like it, it, my point is it doesn't always need to fit into a certain archetype. It basically means I think you need to have three players that are of a certain, um, modicum of ability and their particular skill sets slash talents, uh, fit in well enough with, with each other. So, but yes, to your point, 100% RJ Barrett, or I guess theoretically in this scenario, and this I think is a part of it, although not a huge part of it, um, the guy that you might be getting in the draft next year, because again, in this 
fantasy world, um, they probably wouldn't win a lot of games next season, and no, could potentially, yeah, could potentially get another very high pick. Which is so. Let me let me take a step back. I the reasons why, and I, the reason I still wanted to have the the discussion started out on on Clay and, and KD is because the reasons why I want to do it, even though again those two are are not the odds that they're they're both Knicks you know, next season are, are minuscule. But the reasons why I thought about it, I do think are applicable to the overall summer for the Knicks and the options they have in front of them. Um, and it could kind of give us a little bit of a framework in terms of like, wh- what are the priorities now at this point going forward? Um, Cause I think they've changed over the last week. Um, and how does that help you kind of sort out what is your best case scenario? What's your medium tier scenario? What's your worst case scenario? The reason why I thought about it as a good idea is, is basically twofold. One is the idea, a kind of very simple idea of like opportunity cost. So, I, I mean, we could we could have you know discussions about like the merits of signing like Jimmy Butler or Kemba Walker to max contracts. Um, not that I necessarily think either of those guys are going to come either, but. I guess, aside from Kawhi, at this point, every other option, um, including trading for Anthony Davis and maybe especially trading for Anthony Davis, which I still think is part of the conversation at least, is fraught with some kind of very significant downside. Would you Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Um, so then, if you take that the next logical step further, and and look, I'm always the one who says. We make mistakes in the, when we try to talk about the NBA by like looking at what is right now and failing to anticipate what could be. Like a year ago, you know, Kyrie or less than a year ago, Kyrie Irving said, "I'm staying if you'll have me." Um, you know, every year we could point to things that like we think we know this is the case right now, and shit could always change. Like Dame Lillard seems like he wants to retire a Blazer right now. Do we have? Are we sure a year from now he's not going to be like, "Oh, I want out"? If the Portland season goes bad, we have no idea. So I, I say this with I say this with a bit of an asterisk, but it, after this summer is over and after these stars all sign with wherever they're going to sign, what's the next? What are the next opportunities? So Anthony Davis is the obvious one, and if you did this proposal, and and for argument's sake, replace Clay Thompson with whoever Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler, you know, put a name in. You're taking yourself out of any possible Anthony Davis um, sweepstakes. I, but I would you also agree with me that if Anthony Davis gets traded to the Lakers, he's never seeing free agency? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I think, so. I think any any sensible person um, would agree to that as well. So, <clears throat> what I the the other caveat I'll add to this is if what would change my opinion a hundred percent is if Anthony Davis was traded to the Celtics because then I think it it alters your plans and you you essentially have to make sure that whatever you do, you're leaving open um, uh, max cap space for, for next summer, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think like, like, so I think for a lot of us, we've all been sitting here for a couple of months at least being just, I mean, whether stupid, wrong, delusional or not, just kind of, expecting Kevin Durant, like just penciling in Kevin Durant as a Nick next year. Um, so like when he tears his Achilles, I, I don't know. It's like, there's this weird thing where I feel like people are, they like almost feel like he's already under contract as a Nick anyway. <laughs> I've, so I felt the same way. In the, in so the like immediate we reaction. have to sign him and, yeah. and it's like, I like, I totally get it. But if it was, I'm trying to think like if it was, Let's say it was uh, like Kyrie. Let's say it was Kyrie, yeah. and we were and we were he tore his Achilles. There's no fucking way on earth everybody would be like, "Gotta sign him, just gotta do it," and and hope he makes well, a no. Nice because play. Kyrie Kyrie's ceiling isn't the but best like, player but, in the NBA. No, but like, but like, Kevin Durant's ceiling is not the best player in the NBA anymore, man. Like, it's not. We gotta fucking accept that. And um, I it's not. I agree with it, you, but I I think his ceiling is still one of the guys that you, one of the guys who you need to have on your team to be able to win the ring, a, a ring. 
I I'm, I don't know. I have no idea. I, 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 mean, I, I don't think it's a certainty by any means. Uh, like, by no and means the thing is, you're not getting that guy for two years. You're not because he's not going to be – he's not going to play next year. You're right. Uh, and then the second year, like you're almost – like it's extremely likely so, that he's not going to be – like he, I don't know what his efficiency – like Rudy Gay, right? He came back from Achilles and he's actually had two of his best scoring efficiency seasons yeah. uh, the last two years. Uh, he also plays for a coach that actually you know has a system and like knows what he's doing. Um, I'm going to let that one slide, but keep going. But like you know – but he's – like if you watch him play, he's also not – shouldering the same kind of like scoring burden as he did. No, and I think and I think Durant's game will have to change when he comes back. And to your point about the two years, um, I guess that's where I was going with the whole opportunity cost thing is it, aside from Anthony Davis, over the next two years, there is no one that you that any NBA fan should reasonably expect to be someone that like, okay, we need to kind of hold off for him and then, you know, obviously the next conversation after that is, is Antetokounmpo and his, um, you know, uh, pre-agency starts in a year from now. Um, and who the hell knows what would happen if he didn't sign the Supermax. And we, I, I you know, that's a whole nother discussion. But I guess it's like, so like, let's assume the two years of Durant and Clay. Um, are a wash, not a wash, but like you obviously they don't play for one year and they're not their full selves for the next year. Like you're at that point, there are only two year deals left, and they're two year deals on players that at at that point in time, you know, Durant will be thirty three. Um, and again, in, in our fantasy scenario, Clay would be thirty one. I just to me that's. That would have been a pretty good scenario, but the more this is the most important reason for me that I brought it up, and it, 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 it kind of takes the discussion in a different place, and this is what I'm really curious to hear your opinion on. I think the uh, – I hate using the term, but the LOL Knicks um, you know, idea that still permeates around the league – you know, at least with a lot of members of the national media, and we don't have to name any names, but they're out there. We know who they are. Um, the fact that that's out there, and the fact that in the in the popular conversation, people will continue to put down the Knicks until there is a definitive, marked reason not to put them down. I am leery of exiting this summer um, with just. Not that I'm, I shouldn't say I'm leery. I don't know if the 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 option that a lot of people are fighting for now as the best option, which is exit this summer with the kids and salary dumps to acquire picks. I can't get to the point where I am going to sit here and say that is the best option. And the reason I can't say it's the best option is because there would be, again, more of that s- stupid f- fucking talking point, which is, ha-ha, the Knicks, you know geared up for a whole year, maybe more than a year, to try to get to this point and look where it got them. And I just, I wonder if that has, obviously we know that it's not true. We know it's a stupid talking point. Every person who pays attention could go back and look at the individual moves that are made, that were made and say, okay, it was the right basketball decision at the time for many reasons. I just, I wonder if that doesn't begin to seep into the players' heads, if it doesn't begin to seep into the coaches' heads, and if there needs to be something that happens this summer where it's like, okay, there is some kind of a payoff here. Um, And I I know that doesn't necessarily, you know, line up with, again, is, is it the best basketball decision? But I'm trying to reconcile those two ideas. Do you, do you see where I'm getting at here? No, I, I hear you, and I wouldn't advocate like we have seventy million in space. Like I wouldn't advocate using all of that to just take salary dumps and have like. No, yeah, nor would I. I agree. Yeah, like have like fifteen first round pick, whatever you get. I mean, I don't know, but there's a tipping I, point that you it's it's yeah. too much. Yeah, like I, I think you can spend like forty million, forty five million on like good solid vets. Sign them to maybe one or two because next year's free agency basically sucks. Um, so I wouldn't be like 
Maybe you want to keep like. Could we categorize it as signed contracts that you know will the contract will be an asset if it's over one year? If you're going to sign anyone past one year, it's it's on like a a good deal that you know will be a like a chip if need be. Yeah, I mean, I don't even mind necessarily overpaying slightly for a two year deal because if it's the right guy, yeah, it's it's okay. But like, I think you can sign a few guys that are going to like get on the floor with the kids and actually, you know. Operate like help them help win play. games. Yeah, not even just so help like help them develop better because like I don't really think like throwing them out there and Fizdale telling them to keep what they kill and uh, you know like having Lance Thomas as the only like thirty year old who has experience but like he's not actually good. Like you can't you can't have another year like that. I just don't see how that's. And and can Productive. I just I, I want to bring up very quickly because Was, uh, Jonathan Wasserman came on this pod a few weeks ago and he's like I love R J Barrett but the worst pos- and I know that's a different discussion you you have your questions about him but he's like the worst possible scenario would be for him to go to a terrible Knicks team and basically have have carte blanche I think there's an argument for why Fisdale was right to do that last year I completely agree with you that we cannot have another year um, yeah like, it's just it's just it, it's not productive like. And, you know, we have – you got Knox, you got Barrett, assume, presumably you have Mitch, you have Frank uh, still still hanging on. Um, <laughs> hanging on by Dennis, a thread. We're yeah, fighting. Yeah, hanging. And uh, you got Dennis Wood Jr. Like, Trier, Dotson. Yeah, yeah, you got enough young guys that like – that. yeah, they need development. But they also like – you're de- they, de- they need development to happen – within like an actual functional team framework and i think like adding two or three solid vets would go a long way to helping them do that like i mean even philly right like when they finished their tank fest like they actually did sign a few yep. solid vets right like they signed jared bayless they signed i forgot who it was like and that's the point like jared bayless isn't a good player he's not like a, a meaningfully useful player but he, he he knew like what an NBA point guard should do, and like because he knows that he can like you know it allows other players you know let's say in their scenario at Covington or um, what Sarich whatever it is yeah. it allows these guys to like play more within their comfort zone rather than like well it makes them look better yeah and like last year we had. Like fucking having Kevin Knox like try and create a shot when like his entire thing coming out of college was like he was a project. He didn't have a good handle. He was gonna need time to like hone his scoring skills and creation ability. And like we just kinda threw him out there and we're like, All right man, just do it. Like just go for it. Like yeah, that's and, not And we gave him, we gave him Emmanuel Moutier to kind of uh hold his hand along the way, which is like giving a child um fucking you know matches and uh you know gasoline or whatever yeah it was just like that is it was bad like it was just not a good look and like you know if these guys are going to develop like so like presumably you want to develop them to either you know be part of like your team long term and be good pieces for you long term or like because you want to develop them i mean that that goal also leads to you being able to to then trade them as assets it, and, right? and this directly links in with you know howard beck's statement um which got a lot of people like up in arms from last week about how nobody thinks very highly of the Knicks process prospects he's not wrong i mean it i don't think many people around the nba right now this very second think very highly of dennis smith jr or frank nilakina you know knox is i think a little bit more of a a, a conversation um but the, I think even a team that likes Kevin Knox isn't going to tell you they like Kevin Knox. Yeah, they're going to be there, and and you know and what? they would have if, a good and they would have like plenty of reasons to be like yeah, a hundred percent. So you need to make like, but but at the same time, no one's saying that these guys aren't talented. So yes, everything you're saying, hundred percent, I agree with because if you putting good players around talented players can usually help those talented players look like good players themselves, and that that obviously for any number of reasons is the goal, right? Right, right. Um, and, yeah, I, I just, like, I think that our goal should be 
like you want to over the next couple of years and i know this sucks because the knicks have been bad since 2012 13 like it's just been uh, a steady just barrage of of lower lows and whatever but <clears throat> you know like i think you have to <clears throat> kind of take look take stock of what Perry inherited and what he's done. And it's like, you know, he basically inherited a team that had very limited cap flexibility. Uh, the only two first round picks on the team were KP and Frank. Uh, he didn't pick either of those players. He didn't even get to spend the cap his first year because by the time he took over, uh, Steve Mills has already signed Tim Hardaway Jr. So he was, he basically had, he was left, I think, with basically handing out vet mins that summer. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then last summer he had, I think, like eight million in cap. And well, no, it was just the exception. They the that the, they spent most of on um, yeah, and then they kept yeah, they kept one and a half. They had to keep one and a half of that uh, to sign Mitch to a four year deal. Yes. Um, so, like. You know, he hasn't had a lot of flexibility to do stuff. Um, and, you know, but I like he's, you know, he chose to trade Porzingis and and basically tear this thing down completely. Um, some of that was already enforced by Porzingis' injury. Like this, this year was always going to be a tank year. Um, I know that people think that like the Knicks, I mean, they probably were trying to tank to an extent, but like I think. They also had no choice. It's so a, it's a multifaceted conversation. Were yeah. there, was there a move or two they could have made to try to ensure another, you know, right. handful right. of wins? Sure, and, but and I guess anyway. Well, my only point is that like this is really the first year where we're act like like it was like the a, a true rebuilding year. It was the first year we have ever done like that. Even the seventeen win year under Phil, like that was what Carmelo got injured and we kind of just eased into it after, I don't know, we lost, we lost like 58 games in a row or something. Yeah, but there were no young players on that right. team. It was like Galloway. Galloway was like our, our yeah. young talent. Yeah. Um, that, who, sorry, Langston, but you don't count. And Tim Hardaway Jr. Who like we traded the next year. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's just different. And I think that our goal should be, okay, we have, you know whether you think they're good or not like you do have these young players uh, i think everybody agrees mitchell robinson is at least something to build around um like you're gonna get it seems like you're gonna get rj barrett this this summer um and who even if even people who aren't huge fans of rj barrett and i'm i'm one of them i'm not a huge fan of him would admit the guy has certain skills that um as we I mean, just he's, he's better than knox like He's definitely a way better prospect than Knox was. So he I, he's a guy who, who at, at the one thing everybody seems to be able to agree on is he is a guy who's going to be able to get you a bucket um, at the next level. And, and I use that term in the um, I hate that term, but I in the sense that like you know the playoffs are here. Sometimes the end of the shot clock, all your fancy stuff isn't working. You need a guy to get you a bucket. Well, the fact is you do need those players to win in the playoffs, as we just saw you know with with Toronto who had the best one. Um, but yeah, so that's a guy, that guy has potential, but continue. Yeah. It's just, you know, like you want to position yourself. Like if I was running this team, I'd be like, okay, I want to make sure that over the next two years, I'm doing everything I can to develop the young players I have acquire a few extra picks whenever I can like whatever year, any of that stuff that I can. Sure. Um, and and like set myself up so that come 2021 20 like you know in two years basically i want to be in the position that the celtics were in before you know they basically did nothing with that entire awesome position of like having all these picks um and they you know they literally could have had their pick of of stars yeah and and can i can i stop you there because i think that that the Celtics and the Raptors were both in my mind as I as I sent out that tweet, and I actually I'm, I'm going to admit I you sold me. I, I agree with you as I'm listening to you. You know, talk about it. Um, the lack of flexibility that signing 
you know those two guys um, would leave you with, I think would actually give me um, some pause. But but just in in my defense, the the other thing that was kind of appealing about it to me is we'd be able to do exactly what you're saying, which is spend the next year to two years developing the young kids, um, get another good draft pick next year, and do all that stuff, but with like, um, I'll call it again, an air of legitimacy, like these guys are are waiting in the wings, and there's that, um, they're, you know, your point before was a great one about how they need to bring certain guys in to make this um, more functional um, on the basketball floor, and I... I think that would have almost, I don't know, I guess in my mind it would have happened almost like by osmosis because you would have had two adults in the locker room, like in, in Clay and KD. Um, although now I'm thinking because they wouldn't have been on the court, I don't know if that would have quite served the same function. So, um, you know, kudos to you. you were, it's a it's a well-thought-out position. Congratulations, Swin. You win. Um, <laughs> anyway, back to what I was saying about the Celtics and the Raptors. I think the Celtics are and the Raptors are – and. You know, Zach Lowe talked about this in his post-finals column. Um, they're the same team um, and run by two similarly very, 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 very smart men. Um, they very different paths to get to where they were. Obviously, Masai inherited stuff that he didn't necessarily want and probably thought about shipping and did think about shipping out um, on several occasions. The Celtics was more of like, they, you know, built up the entire thing himself. But like... Those were both teams that had opportunities to make the move. And the difference between them is the Celtics didn't and the Raptors did. And it just leaves me, it left me as a Knicks fan thinking like, it's it's nice to, it, the idea of, of um, we have to wait till the right move presents itself is, is lovely in theory. And I agree with you, it is. It's it. It doesn't mean you rush it because again they say you can't rebuild in New York for this very reason because you have idiots like me who want to do you know sometimes stupid things. Um, you can't rush it, and you and there is absolute you know it, putting everything else aside. There is value in building something up from the ground up over multiple years and to actually establish, dare I say it, that, you know, culture that these good teams have. The reason they could you know the Raptors could bring Kawhi in. And it worked is because they had a foundation. The Knicks, you know, started to pour the concrete last year. We'll see if it's laced with, um, I don't know, what would make a building explode from within? Arsenic? I have no idea. I don't know. I, I think that's poison. Oh, yeah, that probably is. Okay, well, maybe you're licking the concrete and that's a bad yeah. thing. Whatever. You get the point. Um, they need to do that. And it's important to do that. And, and that's ultimately why I came down on the side of not trading for Anthony Davis because you'd be bringing him into what? You know, there's nothing left. There's nothing to build on. Um, and to think that, like, that would be enough to keep him here just because it's it's New York, despite what he says. So Yeah, and I mean, then, then you would have to sign guys in free agency, whether you're overpaying yeah, and, and You have to get guys in. And then if he leaves, then you're talking about really fucked. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, but again, back to the point, you know, Boston had an op- They could have gotten Kawhi, I think we, you know, if they had got, given up. Uh, they they could have gotten Kawhi. They could have gotten, gotten Jimmy. Jordan, they could have yeah. gotten. Got got every, every star that got traded over the last. Two years, they could have and gotten. They, and they sat it all out because they were trying to. They have can their get game. Anthony Davis right now if they want. Yeah, and they the can. funny thing is now it might be the first time where that would be the wrong move. Maybe, maybe. Um, right. You know, we have no idea. But they didn't jump on the opportunity when they should have. The Raptors waited until the perfect opportunity came, um, and they jumped on it. And I guess it's just as I think about this offseason and I think about the moves they could make, should make, might make, will make. That's that. That decision-making process is is in my mind, and um, I just I'm leery of of dismissing something outright because of the line of thinking like, well, it, you know, we we've done all this work to put ourselves in this position. We don't want to blow it now, right? It's like we uh-huh. it, it, the um, I hate I, I don't like this phrase, but it actually it fits here. Like the uh, perfect is the enemy of the good. And again, you can't win in the NBA if you're just good. You you do need to be you know perfect, but it's you know what I mean by that, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So, I, but you know what? Hearing you say it, that plan of like signing actual good people and paying them whatever it needs to take to come for one or two year deals, 
um, and continue to obviously nurture the kids. And But you know what? Even that's easier said than done because you have to get guys who are good, A, B, professionals, and C, are like not going to mind seating some of the stage um, slash their own numbers to kids who they know are not as good at whatever the thing is as as they are at, at the you know at this moment so it's going to be tough he, Scott Perry for as wonderful a job as he's done so far and I think we both agree he has done yeoman's work um he has a tough it's a tough road ahead well um, now now he actually has like real choices to make um, <laughs> it's a great way of it's, it's like a he great didn't, way act, of putting he didn't it. really have a lot of choices the last you know two summers I guess that he was in charge the first real decision he he made was trading uh Kristaps. Yeah. And uh I you know I, I think that was the right choice given everything we know and whatever. I don't really need to relitigate that. But um what that trade opened up for him is a lot of options. Yeah. Uh and that's what I have consistently said is that like the mistake they can't make is well because we made this trade yeah. uh certainly with one eye on perhaps getting Kevin Durant and one other star, um, like just because that isn't as appealing or likely of a situation now, um, you can't overreact. You got to just do what is prudent and not spending that money stupidly um, or immediately sinking it into like you know they could max like Chris Middleton. I don't know Tobias Harris, and it's like okay, yeah, we'll be better, but like you're not good. You're not going to win anything with those and, two on max contracts. And to go against my point that I made a bit ago about that fear of does the does the um, you know what everybody's saying on the outside like haha the Knicks failed again, you know worrying about that seeping in. Well, you know what? Guess what? That's you know I, I defend Fisdale all the time. That's what Fisdale theoretically is supposed to bring you above all else. He's supposed to be able to help set the tone in that locker room and get his guys feeling good, feeling confident, being able to block out whatever's being said on the outside. Like that's, that's why you hire a David Fisdale. So you know what it, it now when push comes to shove, it's like, let's, let's see what we're all made of here. Yeah. Um, and you know, we'll find out. I think that, uh, you know, like it's, Everything is changed. I, I will say this. I think that, like, I wouldn't personally do it. I think it is not safe. But I can just about wrap my head around still giving Kevin Durant a max contract. Oh, if it's, um, if it's just him, um, I'm I'm doing it. But continue. Yeah, and like my thing is then at that point, okay, so you know, just use at least the rest of the space. Just, you have to stay flexible with the rest of the space. You yes. just can't sign another guy and completely like, agree. Go and like, I aren't even saying you can't sign Clay because he's hurt. I'm saying like you can't even sign like like I don't even think you should sign Kyrie Irving if he wanted to come because you have to accept that like Kevin Durant may not be the guy that you're hoping he is when he comes back, and so like it's very very important to stay flexible for that reality because uh if you are signing another max player in the anticipation that when kevin durant does return you're you're ready to go and like he comes back and he's not as good which is likely um you're in a tough position then again you're kind of in like a we're good but maybe we're just a second round exit team and and you've boxed yourself in yeah and also then you are very much under pressure to start dealing your core guys uh and picks and you know the dallas picks and your future picks whatever to get uh to 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 get more help in and get more uh win now players that can kind of push your immediate ceiling up so i I think that's something you want to avoid so and to kind of i have two quick thoughts on that one um i think it becomes a lot um easier to make that decision uh, if the Celtics do wind up trading for Anthony Davis, because then I think the idea of AD coming in a year to a team that has a returning Kevin Durant is, th- I think that really becomes, that becomes very real. Um, and, and at the very least a reasonable goal and something that you should give yourself an opportunity for. Um, that's number one. Two, a fascinating question that I had not even thought of is I think when, when Durant was healthy, 
uh, we all agreed that like if you know if Durant says I want this guy, you know within the bounds of reason, whatever name he popped out of his mouth, it's like yes, the Knicks would obviously go sign that person. Um, now it's like I'll sign with you guys, um, but I, I still want you to get another guy, and that guy is you know again. I don't think it matters which name we say, as other than you know Kawhi Leonard, obviously, it's a, it, which is a whole other thing. I don't know. It, that becomes a tougher conversation, and I'm, I'm guessing at that point you would say thanks, but no thanks. Mm-hmm. It's not. E- yeah, it's not. Yeah. You got to admit that's not an easy. No, it's it's not easy, not easy, but decision. it's it's. it's the, I think it's the one you just have to make. Well, it, I think it ultimately comes down to. What is your belief about whether or not Durant can still be the best player on a championship team um, when he comes back? And I don't, I don't pretend to have that answer or even really have a strong opinion about that answer, honestly. Um, I don't know. Um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm really not sure. Yeah. But it'll be, it'll be interesting. I, I, um, I, I, I want to just hit on one more thing before we go, which is that is there, I guess, putting, putting Durant aside for a second – um, is there uh, and Kawhi, which again that kind of goes without. By the way, do you think they actually have a chance to get Kawhi? No, I don't. You don't? Yeah, no, I don't. Unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's weird that it's weird that 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 there is noise there because and and every time we we read st- other people's commentary on that, it's like. League, in, you know, people still have you know question whether or not, um, um, you know, he would ever consider them. But nobody really knows because if there's like, and the other thing about Kawhi that's interesting to me is there's never been any buzz about like you know he wants to have a super friend come with him. And I just you know if New York came to him and was like, hey, yeah, we'll sign you, and we have uh, literally forty million dollars left to you know pick. It doesn't have to be pick your your super friend. It could be pick your three teammates that are on the market this summer, and we'll bring them all in. Um, I don't know. I can't shake that as a possibility. Um, but anyway, is there any other long term um, a player that you would sign basically for more than two years? Like, are you someone who would think about like bringing in like you know Brogdon um, or I'm trying to think of like another name of like a lesser no. player? No. No, I am very much against that. I think that we need to, like, I think you have to develop that level of player on your own. And the guys that you sign in I'm free happy, agency, I'm happy you said that. I agree. Yeah, and I think that that the guys you sign in free agency should either be stars, like absolute no brainer stars, or they should be um, essentially minimum or near yeah, minimum. Or, or or like once you have stars, then you can. You know, maybe overpay a little bit for. Well, that's that's different. Yeah. You can you could yeah. pay Andre Iguodala whatever the you know sixteen million dollars if you have you know uh, Steph and KD and Clay exactly. Like, you can do that stuff. So um, yeah, that's I I just think that we need to like I've seen people talk about we should sign D'Angelo Russell and it's like I, oh, you know no, and we I have should a, not sign D'Angelo. I have Russell a funny feeling take like a fucking max contract to do that. I have a funny feeling that that is going to become a real thing that people want and i'm going to make a, a lot of enemies because my god uh no i, I just and i i need to, I, I need to quantify it more with like some stats and like just more than just my own opinion and, my, and the eye test but just no just no no um sorry yeah no anyway yeah um all right yeah uh, no i think i, I think you, you you know that. hey listen man you, you you've thought this out a lot and i I think I, I think I maybe I needed to be talked off the ledge a bit, um, which is funny because I, I do consider myself very thoughtful and I, I am completely again the idea of building organically and smartly and laying the foundation and all of that stuff I truly believe in in my bones. I just just that it's that nagging part of me that's like don't let the right opportunity pass you by which is the same reason that if they when if and when Anthony Davis gets traded somewhere that's not the Knicks there will be a small part of me even though I am sitting here right now and saying to you I don't want them to trade everything it would take to get Anthony Davis there will be a part of me that is like man fuck um yeah yeah you know because ultimately at the end of the day hey we could sit here and talk for 5 hours we don't know what what's gonna what would ultimately be the right decision or the wrong decision because there's so many other variables. It's just you make 
you make the most educated guesses you can, but that that's what they are. They're um, they're guesses. Yeah, that's all you can do. Um, all right, man. Thank you for coming on and giving some time. Well, you want to plug, promote, um, anything going on? Uh, I don't think I have anything coming out soon. So, uh, well, I'll just follow me. I'll follow plug, I'll, yeah. Plug, uh, so follow Schwinn. You are, uh, as my daughter is telling me that it's time to end the fucking podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you are at Schwinny Poo, um, on Twitter. Yes, um, correct. I am actually going to pump up something that I've referred to in a few tweets over the last few weeks. You wrote, um, just the best, um, the only column I know of of this nature, and, and no one else needs to write one because you did the best job of it, um, of highlighting um, exactly the type of thing we talked about today. Other targets the Knicks could could um, look at this summer, and it's really well thought out, and um, it's just it's a good read for anybody who is starting to try to prepare themselves for um, what you know a summer that may not be what we thought. Go and read uh, Schumann's article on posing and toasting. Um, it's really good and um, thoughtful, and it'll help you kind of get a lay of the land that you maybe didn't think you would need to get. So, yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate this is fun. No, yeah, listen, yeah. you're 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 as good as anyone out there. I I love. I always read your stuff, and um, you know, you're not a complete dick. Um, actually, that's a <laughs> lie. You're you're a dick. You're a dick. I am. Okay. okay. Uh, are you coming to the uh, uh, draft party on Thursday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be there. Sweet. We will do um, a shot to in honor of R.J. Barrett or Jared Culver or um, whoever the hell they end up with. Um, yes. But it'll be fun, man. I'm looking for. I'm actually genuinely excited about that. That'll be fun. Yeah, I think it'll be a good time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and for anybody who doesn't know, that is at Slattery's Midtown Pub. We've, we, it's where we had the lottery party. Um, it is on, I think, 36th Street. It's down the block from Penn Station. Um, uh, as usual, 10% of all uh, sales will go to charity. We'll raffle off some stuff. It'll be it'll be a jolly old time. Um, all right, uh, Shuin, thanks for coming on. Um, everybody out there, enjoy uh, the rest of your weekend, and we will be back with you with another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast uh, very soon. So thanks for listening. Uh, giddy up. Giddy up.